1: Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15.
0: Go ahead and treat yourself from luxurious skincare to meaningful self care. You deserve it.
1: Welcome to OKSIS Podcast.
0: Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know.
1: Here at OKSys, OK we believe women are
0: multifaceted, which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be
1: informative and silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads.
0: Welcome to the sisterhood.
1: Hello and welcome back to OKSys OK Podcast. My
0: name is Mads.
1: Hello, I'm Scout, Mads's older sister, and thank you for being here because it is May, and in the month of May, we talk about money, money, money,
0: money, money, mm-hmm. money. money. Must, Must be, be funny, funny.
1: In, in a rich man's, rich man's world. World. world, which, or we could say, in our world, or- it's gonna be funny in our world.
0: Okay, well, uh, I was gonna sing the Gwen Stefani beautiful rendition of "If I Was a Rich Girl." It's I never, like very, you know, it's blending, it's blending, you know, the Jewishness of the Fiddler on the Roof with the Gwen Stefani ness of the female empowerment. The fact that Gwen Stefani
1: remixed Tevia from Fiddler on the Roof is I- iconic iconic and makes me think that maybe a mistake happened in the reality of our (laughs) universe like maybe there was a glitch because there was a glitch in the in the system there was a glitch in the matrix and Gwen Stefani remixed Fiddler on the Roof which by the way I actually did watch on YouTube the L'Chaim scene from Fiddler on the Roof and just epic stuff all around you're like a Fiddler on the Roof stan oh 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 am I I (laughs) love Fiddler on the Roof I know it's a little weird, but... I I think think that Lechaim (sighs) so beautifully encapsulates our Jewish culture that I am, you know... That I feel connected to, like it's yeah. just—it's like if when you think about Judaism, I just say to us, and our good fortune, be happy, be healthy, long life." And if our good fortune never okay, comes, okay. here's okay. to whatever oh. comes. Drink okay. lechaim. Okay, unsubscribe.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, a core memory was just unlocked. Uh, Oi, Scout and I and I frequented the JCC. For those who don't under, who don't know that, that is the Jewish Community Center, similar to our Geneva Community Center. Yeah, the Geneva Community uh, Center is uh, modeled based after the Jewish Community Center, the, the JCC. And there, the JCC that we went to in San Diego had a very like very professional feeder program. Okay, yes. like it was high yes. it was high schoolers, middle schoolers, but it was very very like competitive, and it was it was actually really really good. But, you know, one year they did Fiddler on the Roof as, you know, as a theater company does. As a and Jewish theater do you,
1: company does.
0: As as a Jewish theater company does. And do you remember that, like, the, the whole cast was was kids, like was high school, right? Like high school kids. I think you had to be like under 18 to uh, audition for these shows. But then they would bring in like a professional Tev- actor man to play Tevia. okay
1: like- okay we gotta we have to deconstruct this so first of all were you in Fiddler on the Roof because I was not I was I think I was a, a shtetl little, girl uh, shtetl
0: girl yeah okay whatever. so
1: <laughs> I was not in Fiddler on the Roof I was on in 13 other productions but I was not in Fiddler on the Roof and <laughs> who's um, counting I think that the JCC was like listen Fiddler on the Roof means a lot to our community, and we have one chance to make this right. And so they literally brought on an right. adult. And when we say adult, he was probably like 22.
0: No, I think he was like forty. Oh,
1: do you think he's like
0: the rotating Tevias? Yes, like he goes from JCC to JCC. He goes to the you know the community theater, and just is the Tevia of the nation. Okay, like, so for this those man, this <laughs> man, what was he doing in this show? <laughs> for- Didn't he look weird?
1: For those who don't know, Tevya is the main character of Friendly on the Roof. He plays the father who has all these daughters that he's trying to marry off, but the daughters are modern and want to marry for love versus an arranged marriage. So that's Tevya. Sounds like Bridgerton. Yeah, you know, the Fiddler on the Roof. And I don't even know why it's called Fiddler on the Roof. Like, in the very beginning, there's a Fiddler on the Roof, and that's it.
0: <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> end of end of the reference to the Fiddler.
1: So whenever, so Mads and I went to Jewish school growing up, and, God, this is just incredible content. No one that's going to understand what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> And when there was a substitute teacher, instead of the substitute teacher, like, attempting to teach us biology or math, they would just put in the movie Fiddler on the Roof, and we would watch Fiddler on the Roof. So that was the movie I watched every time I had a substitute teacher which was frequent actually to be honest
0: wait what? okay well I didn't have that experience because mm. I went to public school after middle school but that that seems like a very San Diego Jewish Academy thing to do is like hey yo like one day of no chemistry is probably not gonna hurt so let's like throw in a fiddler yes Let's reinforce
1: wow. matchmaker, matchmaker, make, me, make a match. me a
0: match, find me a I... find, catch What's me her a catch. What's the matchmaker's name? Yentl? Y- Yenta.
1: Yenta, Yenta. I, yes.
0: Okay. I look like Yenta.
1: Okay. <laughs> Especially, okay, so I was on Sivon Ayla's Instagram, and her new collection that's coming out this summer is pink bathing suits, and she wore that, like, paint pink cottage whore i call it cottage whore uh like bandana in her hair and when i saw it i was like God damn, she looks so goddamn good and then i thought oh my god imagine me and mads in that and it's a yenta situation through and through like it's not cute a- on us
0: anything any scarf situation or bandana situation <laughs> that goes in the hair does not look good on Jewish girls. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Like (laughs) You're going to look like Yenta. And If that's the look you're going for, then good good riddance. But like, never forget when we had Kim Johnson on from Geneva, and she was wearing a chic as fuck scarf. And I looked at her and I said, you look so fucking good. I bet you if I wore that scarf, I'd look like Yenta. And I did put a side-by-side on our Instagram story, and lo and behold, I... I am a Jewish farmer. Yeah. The cottage
1: core. I know it's core. The cottage core vibes for us just makes us look like shtetl children. What is shtetl? What do you, so why, a, shtetl, you s- a shtetl is a Jewish town in <laughs> ancient Eastern Europe. And I don't mean like ancient, ancient Ashley. Ashley, come in. Weigh in. Please text <laughs> me if I'm correct here. Um, what about
0: a kibbutz? A kibbutzin.
1: A kibbutz is in Israel and it's a communal space. So it's
0: Adam Newman.
1: It's run on more communal principles that are equivalent to like a socialist communist technically model.
0: Did you finish We Crashed?
1: I have one more episode and I am just so excited. I don't want to watch it because I'm so excited. Like I don't want it to end.
0: I literally just finished it right before we started recording. It's phenomenal. Him and his little uh, kibbutz upbringing walking around New York City barefoot. I just – Anne iconic. Hathaway
1: deserves so much praise for this show. She was absolutely she – is, she is an <laughs> underrated actress because I think people find her to just be naturally annoying, I think. Um, yeah. But she's I- incredibly talented. I am
0: the soul of the company.
1: Like, I can't. Yes, yeah, she's – see, I get kind of confused. I'm really good at doing her, but then I, like – I kind of get weave into, into Anna inventing Anna, and so then it gets a little confusing for me. So I need to work on my impressions and my. No, you
0: get she. You start doing like um, Elizabeth Holmes because okay, she that's has right. a dark, Deep that's voice right. as well. That's right.
1: Yeah. I, I confuse Anna Holmes and and Rif- no Rifka, Rifka. No. I mean Elizabeth, <laughs> Rifka, <and> Elizabeth, <laughs> Anna Holmes. Holmes. All the girls, all the gals, bring all them the in. gals, all the scammers, that, you know, aren't scammers. great. The lead gals aren't great, but we got them. We got complex lead gals, you know, can't (laughs) complain that they suck. Anyways, okay, let's get back because we went on a goddamn (laughs) tangent that went through lots of situations. But this month, our theme, last month was (gasps) readings. This month, our theme, which is how we started singing the money song from Fiddler on the Roof, is money, money mindset, finances, budgeting, investing. We feel as if one... This type of education is not widespread enough to Mads and I especially, are,
0: Especially amongst women. Especially like amongst this women. is going to be an incredibly like feminist approach to women getting rich and not feeling any shame or or lack around money. Like women, we need to step into our money power and that is what this month is gonna teach us like there is so much wisdom in these episodes yes I
1: think that the bottom line above the there's so many actionable tips that you guys will take away that will help you start your money journey or improve your money journey, et cetera. But I think literally the biggest takeaway that every single one of these women said was that the world is a better place when money is in the hands of women. So yes. wealthy women make for a better world. And so we're just so excited to bring you this content. We think it's not only going to be entertaining, but it's going to be incredibly insightful and valuable for your own lives. So today we are starting and wait, off... It, yeah. Wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. I also just want to say that... You know, I, in the past, like, so if you are listening to this and being like, ugh, money, like, this is going to be so dry. This topic is, like, so uncomfortable or, like, I don't want, like, look, I am in your boat, and I was in your boat, and I'm still in your boat. I'm still learning, and we're still evolving around money, and, you know, it is, it can be a very unsexy topic. Now, what I'm going to say to you is we have crafted these episodes for this exact purpose, so that it is so entertaining for you. These ladies that we have on every guest every week, they are – both hilarious and also just so informative and really, really willing to break it down into terms that we can understand. And so I just want everyone, if you're feeling a little like discomfort, like just reflect on that and say, why do I feel uncomfortable about this month? Like maybe I'm just not as um, aware or educated about this and we are going to hold your hand Through this process. So I just want to make that disclaimer because I think if I was a listener, I would be like, ugh, money. Like, I don't want to learn about budgeting. But I promise you, these episodes, you're going to leave feeling nourished. You're going to giggle your way. It's us, guys. It's still us. We're going to be silly as
1: fuck, you know? It's very money-themed through the lens of OK Sis. So naturally... Today, we are starting with the money mindset stuff. The other episodes get a little bit more into budgeting and very actionable tips, but for this episode, we have the most impactful and powerful Allison Bird on. Allison Bird is the profit accelerator. Through the lens of three main arenas, your life provision, personal fulfillment, and professional achievement, she catapults entrepreneurs into becoming the highest authority of their lives. As a top female earner, highly sought after speaker and orator, and fast money-making entrepreneurs entrepreneur. Her money mindset makeovers are rooted in logical and simplistic truths. Allison is here to enroll you into the possibility of unlimited potential and success because she has stepped into and embodies that exact space. She has hosted seven-figure sales events. She has sold a tech business that she built. She has supported tens of thousands of empire builders on stage and through her programs. Allison Bird has alchemized abundance and is here to help you, simply put, make more money. Mads, what did you think of Allison Bird?
0: I mean, I just wish she lived in my pocket or like yes. on my shoulder so yes. that she could just like whisper sweet nothings into my ear all day and like be this motivator and my cheerleader. She is just – wow. That type of mental awareness and her temperament and her joy for life and her joy to uh, – to better herself there is just something so infectious about her like that is exactly the type of um mindset and and life I want to be living like she just has this incredible ease and um but just and also she's so aware of how not only money works with her and for her but also how to be in relationships, how to be with, with amongst exchanges. Mm-hmm. I was just so inspired by her.
1: Yeah, Alison Bird is the definition of an empowered woman. And sister. she is here to help us all reframe our money mindset, to talk about scarcity versus abundance, and to really get to the root of our relationship with money. So to kick start this month off, sisters, welcome Alison Bird.
0: Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off.
1: welcome miss allison we are so excited to have you so excited you came in with your hot pink bell bottoms i know i know it's a moment i've actually been thinking about wearing pink i don't wear color but i'm kind of i want to wear pink it would be strange. Okay, well, but. Allison's uh, giving me some inspiration. Okay, so we know. Why. I started
2: to just come in T-shirt and underwear. That was it. Do oh. y'all remember that song, T-shirt and my panties on? Yes. T-shirt and my panties on. I don't remember that song. You don't song. remember that song? You should play it, I, it tonight. You'll enjoy
1: it. you will enjoy it. We'll enjoy it. A little uh, well. You we, could have come here like that. We would have been, been fine. We would have exactly. been fine. Anything goes over here. <laughs> Anything goes, goes at, at okay this okay says, podcast. Oh, okay, says. Um, okay, so. We all know this month is about money, and we want to, you know, there's there's two sides of money, I think. There's like the practical side, and then there's the emotional, soulful, spiritual mindset, limiting, belief-shattering side that I just think you embody so beautifully. So can you start by telling us a little bit about what your money mindset was in the beginning and how you would describe your money mindset today? Hmm.
2: Well, the first thing that I want to say is money is an inanimate object. So it's like when you talk about money, if you can have a relationship, like you talk about your toaster or a chair, Mm. they cannot do anything that you did not do to it. You know, Mm. the chair is not going to move itself. The toaster is not going to toast bread itself. It's inanimate. So you have to be operating with it and that's how money is a lot of times people will be like my money is bad or why are you giving money human characteristics when that is not the case and my relationship with with money was chaotic because i grew up hearing people give human characterization to money and not only that i grew up in post-civil rights era so i was born in 1977 and uh, in the 80s and 90s when i was growing up black humans uh, were significantly impoverished Mm -hmm. and i didn't recognize that like i didn't know that i was just a kid looking around and seeing what i didn't have and what other children did have and so i felt very much uh, desperate Mm -hmm. i felt very desperate for money as a resource Um, I felt like money was not for humans like me. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's uh, regulated for only black humanity. I think a lot of humans grow up like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just grew up craving it and thinking that was always going to be my path, to Mm -hmm. desire it but not receive it. Mm -hmm. And that was very frustrating for me growing up as a kid But something inside me kept telling me to believe. Something inside me kept telling me I had creative power with it. Um, And then I write about this in my third book. It's a collaboration with Lisa Nichols, who is my former mentor, and she's a great friend. And (laughs) in the book, I write about that I thought my pathway to money was being a pimp, and starting a meth clinic, like a meth cookhouse. Not a clinic, but like a, <laughs> like a clinic. clinics? <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a meth cookhouse. Mm-hmm. I thought that was my path because I was surrounded by criminalization. And I felt like uh, I was stuck there. Mm-hmm. And so I had the same smarts that I have today, the same ingenuity, the same intelligence, the same boldness, tenacity, brilliance but I was in a circumstance where I needed to use it. And that's what a lot of people don't know is your gifts and calling and talent is always there. You're just gonna find how to use it around you. So that's how I learned my profit acceleration uh, methodologies was at a young age, my girlfriend, uh, her parents kicked her out. And so the way she could provide for herself was selling her body. And one day we're having a conversation and she's telling me how much money she'd had and we're 15, 16 years old. Mm. And I'm saying, wait, that doesn't sound like enough money for how long you were out there. And she's like, no, it's good money. And she was just looking at, it's just good money because it was some money. My 15 year old brain was like, I think we can forecast. I think we can project. How long does it take you to give head? And she's like, I, I, I don't know. Oh and God. I said, You need to know because then we can know in an hour how many clients you can have and we can move this along. We can make a menu of services.
0: Oh that was my
2: 15, 16 wow. year old
0: brain. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> like, let's optimize this. Let's Come on, it together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and today i still use those technologies in my brain to create millions on millions of dollars uh through my clients work and through leading their strategy but that was the inception of it my brain could see it and perceive it but again because of the circumstances i was just trying to use it utilize it through the lens of what i had
0: access to yeah that's so you're talking you're talking about like the desperation which is something that i i think a lot of women feel about really wanting money and being like, yeah, look, look what it can provide. But but being told that it's like not for us, like not for us to understand, not for us to receive abundantly. So Or to I, unapologetically go after. Exactly. And like that is seen as like greedy or what have you. But something that I've, I think... Been, been struggling with and, and com- now coming to terms with is how do I shift from this like desperation of like, Oh my God, it, like I need it, I need, it, I need it. And like sitting back and just kind of letting it. The receiving. low and receiving. Yeah. And I think I'm still figuring out like what that looks like in my life, but how did it shift for you where you were like, no, I'm not going to be desperate for this anymore. Well, that's a continual
2: shift. Okay. because you get introduced to new things to be desperate about. Yeah. Like, you might have started being desperate about a Toyota Corolla, and then now you're desperate about a Ferrari, mm-hmm. you know, or you're desperate about a Bentley, or you're desperate about something. You know what I mean? Like, you, you get introduced to new things, and those introductions uh, create salivation, like, ooh, I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I think that the world will be set free by women who are free and uh, a part of the freedom recipe is financial independence uh, and autonomy in how you spend that money and how you create that money and i say if you want to shift yourself out of desperation give yourself evidence Mm -hmm. we are evidence-based humanity and so we need to we need facts we don't need sit meditate hold your fingers together You know, uh, you know, while that calms our nervous system and definitely supports and is necessary, we don't want to hear that as the first tip. (laughs) We're like, "Ah, that doesn't feel good as tip one. So the first tip that I like to say is give yourself evidence. Give yourself evidence that you can do something you've never done before, but bring it closer to you. So I used to ride the bus when I was growing up. And I used to always say, oh, God, if you bless me with a car, Mm -hmm. I will buy humans' cars one day. I promise you I will. And one day, I think it was after I'd made our first million, I was trying to think of something kind to do. And um, my stepfather called me and said he was late on his car payment. And I found myself agitated. Like, I don't want to be responsible for your late car payment. And then I thought, wait a minute, is this a manifestation? Mm -hmm. And am I operating in the programming to be inconvenienced by someone in need? Mm. And especially someone close to me. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was in programming and judgment. And so I said, I fibbed to him. And I said, well, let me call and figure out how they can take payments. And can I call on your behalf? Just give me the information. And he said, yes. And I found out that the balance on his car was less than $3,000. And I paid it off. Mm. And I said, holy yes. I just essentially bought someone a car. And I told myself I would do that. So then I said, wait a minute what else can I do that I didn't know I could do? (laughs) Well, I told myself one day I would buy out restaurants, like that I would just go in because there were times I would go eat and it brings tears to my eyes um, because sometimes I would go to a restaurant and it was the last that I had, Mm -hmm. you know? And I would just wish someone would walk in and just say, food for all, you know, Mm -hmm. like you see on TV. And I thought, I don't know who else in this restaurant feels how I feel. And we're all looking like we got it together. Mm-hmm. But this $20 I'm going to put down. And I always made sure I had enough for at least $5 gratuity. And if you go to Chili's, you can do that, <laughs> you, know, you or you used to be able to. And so I thought, what else can I do? And I was in New York City on my way to see the color purple. Mm-hmm. And this thought was ruminating in my head randomly, and I see a Chipotle, and I ask the driver. Can you pull over? And my girlfriend says, What are you doing? We've got to, we were in uh, Brooklyn and we had to get across the Brooklyn yeah. Bridge. She's like, We got to get across the Brooklyn Bridge before I said, No, I got to go in this Chipotle now. She's like, What? And I saw the line coming out the door. I'm like, I'm going to buy out this Chipotle. Oh so I go up and I buy out the Chipotle. Oh my. And the funny thing was, I don't know what those people were ordering. It wasn't that much money because I thought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I was expecting thousands. (laughs) I was.
2: was. But a young guy and a young girl came up to me and he said to me, thank you. Hmm. He said, my girlfriend got the worst news that one of her girlfriends betrayed her earlier today. And I told her, let's just go have lunch and just take a break. Mm. And she literally said while we were standing in line, I just can't trust anybody anymore. Mm. And then you did this. And I said, see, there are still good people in the world. So if you give yourself evidence that you are in full control of your money, that you are not waiting for one thing, that anything you desire to do, there's a way for you to do it some kind of way. I always thought it was buying someone a $20,000 car, but it wasn't, Mm -hmm. it was paying off my stepfather's $3,000 balance that Mm -hmm. he couldn't afford and that was burdening his heart, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't going to Ritz Carlton and buying out that restaurant or Four Seasons restaurant, it wasn't, it was Chipotle.
1: There is so much here and I love That you said you gave yourself evidence because I think we wait for evidence and we don't give ourselves evidence. And then I love that you said it wasn't the Ritz Carlton; it was Chipotle because I I don't say this publicly, but I I I you're about to now. now (laughs) I watched watched a movie and I was with you and Mom, and I said, you know what? I want to give back and and all this stuff. And one day I'm going to da, da 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 da. And I'm looking around and I'm like, there's not one day I can give back now. And so I just made a pledge right then and there because I didn't wanna intellectualize it or like find the right this or find the right that, that whenever someone posts on Instagram, can you please donate to this uh little girl's funeral can you please donate to this cat can you please Mm -hmm. donate to ukraine it doesn't matter what it is i open it up unless it's a terrible cause i open it up and i donate and i was like this is just i can do this now and we think that we can't and we can and when you give there's there's something i think a, a huge correlation between you recognizing your gifts in uh restraining and unfortunate circumstances if i use that word uh if i can use that word and yet seeing the way you do your gifts and then placing your gifts into expansive, helpful, incredible circumstances, there's, there, there's, there's gotta be a tie between how you are generous and you give and then how you have expanded your life at the same time. Can you talk, I mean, there's like two things in my mind is one, if anyone's li- listening to this and they, and they have a gift, but they feel, I don't know the right word, limited by their circumstances and, and they want to utilize those gifts in bigger ways, What's the first shift that can get them out of the circumstance into something greater?
2: (sighs) Let me peel that question apart. Uh, What's the first thing that can get them out of circumstance and into greater? This is going to sound really strange, but receiving starts very small and humanity rejects receiving often. For instance, if you go to hold the door open for someone, they'll say, no, 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 I got it. That's blocking receiving. Mm. I mean, think about it right now. If you were at the grocery store, and let's say you didn't know me, and I do this when I go to the grocery store often. Mm. I did it for Thanksgiving. We bought out the lines, the line, the line we were in, the line next to us. Um, and by the way, we did it on Thanksgiving morning. It cost us less than 500 bucks. It was insane. We just kept trying to add people. And (laughs) (laughs) we kept going, we're doing everybody's groceries. And it was just, it was fun and playful. But, um, and a lot of people think it takes a lot of money to make a difference. But as, but let's think about this, Scout. If we were in the grocery store and you didn't know me, and I turned and said, I'm doing a random act of kindness. And I'm buying groceries for the humans in this line. Would you receive that? Or would you push it away and say, oh, do that for someone in need. And that, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Would you receive it? No.
2: Oh, I would receive
1: it. Yeah, (laughs) she would. She receives all day long, Allison. (laughs) She's so good at receiving it, like, unnerves me because my parents (sighs) keep giving and giving, and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm good. And so there's something to be said about, okay, keep going, about the receiving. Yeah. Yeah. I got into a war with someone at Starbucks because I was trying to pay for his drink. He was behind me, an elder gentleman. I looked the other way. He puts his credit card in and pays for mine. I'm like, wait a minute.
0: This just backfired on me.
2: I love when moments like that happen because I take it as a time for mindfulness and presence at a time to be able to, to say to myself, look at this abundance that Mm -hmm. I'm in the midst of. And we're playfully arguing over who's going to (laughs) pay. And then I like to draw what I call a through line, which means when I leave the space, I pull it through and into my life. And I say, wherever in my life, I feel that there's a competition for lack or scarcity or not enoughness. Mm -hmm. Let me remember this moment where the competition was abundance Mm, mm -hmm. and sure enough I'll show up at the office or I'll show up in a conversation with my money manager or my EM and they'll say nope it's difficult as this and my brain will instantly just see a way through because I just had an engagement with abundance and it gets to be contagious
0: Mm, I you know that so you talked about how money is an inanimate object and it's what we do with it that brings it the the beauty and the power and what what have you talk to us a little bit about like the energy and exchange like how do you view the energy of the way someone spends money or like spending habits so for instance like I Currently, like I think, I view spending as lack. Like it's something that goes away, right? And and I can't like see that I'm getting this amazing exchange in service or exchange in a, a something that I love or something like that. To me, it's just like dollars lessening in the bank, and like that is that's really not. Then it you know it's spirals. A it's, it's a scarcity yeah. mindset. So how, how do I you... get
2: it? Those are fair yeah. feelings. Those yeah. are valid feelings. Those are common feelings. Right. Um, and uh, I think they're necessary feelings because mm-hmm. they give us, you know, when you go bowling, what is it called when you have the, the bumper bumpers, bowling? Yeah. yeah, the bump. Yeah. yeah. What a lot of us don't know is that those feelings that we have are designed to give us bumpers. Yeah. They are not designed to be our, our entirety of understanding around it. Mm-hmm. See, so it's those feelings are guides. Their awareness, you you know, you want to be conscious. So what I like to do is just write money values. Like if you look at your feelings, let's look at what you would call uh, two negative emotions you have around money, and let's flip it.
0: Okay, so I feel, I feel like I'm not going to have enough. Okay. Um, and then I also like, I mean, sometimes I don't feel worthy of it because I feel like sometimes I'm – bad at money so therefore I don't think I'm deserving of receiving it
2: okay so let's start with first I don't feel like I have enough Mm -hmm. so if we flip that into value Mm -hmm. right like what your money values are around enoughness what do you value when you see what you consider as a surplus
0: I think I want freedom Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to think about it or even budget like I think I don't I just don't want to it, there to be any limitations mm-hmm. and it's I you know I feel a little greedy saying that like I I do and so then I think I block myself because I'm like wait, wait wait like if I would had limitless money like I, you know I I should be giving to others or, or whatever like I don't deserve that mm. so but so I, I would
2: I would play with you on greed yeah because mm-hmm. I think you are greedy And the reason that I think you're greedy is because I'm greedy. And Mm. the reason that I think I'm greedy is because Scout's greedy. We're all greedy. Mm. And you know why we're all greedy? Because greed helps us get from where we've been to where we desire to be. Mm. Greed is necessary. Mm. It's necessary. It's like motivation. (laughs) Yes. It's It's necessary. But greed is like Cheez-Its. You (laughs) eat too
1: much and you can't poop. (laughs) Maddie, (laughs) every day. Maddie, every day.
0: Literally me, every day. We get
1: a constipation update on this podcast (laughs) every day.
2: So anything overdone yeah. is just not meaningful, but useful. We think a lot of our emotions and thoughts aren't useful. Use them. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you say, I feel like I, I I don't have enough, then what flip it to what's important. What's important to me is certainty. Mm-hmm. What's important to me is stability. What's important to me. So then when you want to splurge, look at, does it impact my certainty? That's how I know if that splurge is good for me in my slice of now.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
2: You see that breath that it just kind of gives, yeah. you know, I, re- I remember doing a big sale and I, I just couldn't wait to text my shopper at Gucci. Like I just couldn't <laughs> wait. And then a tax bill. And I'm like, but I want what I want and I deserve it and I should have it. And I was able to flip it by asking myself, what feels like integrity to you in this moment? Mm. Because now integrity is a higher value than deserving. Mm. Do you see? I like, see, yeah. and there's, it, a, it can, there's a
1: bigger priority, which there's is. There's a greater yeah.
2: priority, but that is counseling yourself. And I feel like a lot of humans uh, choose not to counsel themselves. They choose to bully themselves. Mm. And that's very different. So if you can become your greater counselor and have a voice of kindness and compassion within, that will change energetics around not just money, but just abundance of
1: self overall. So I was with a group of. So I I don't know where this comes from. Truly, I don't. But I have been obsessed with money ever since I was fourteen. I wanted my girl. To, yes, I wanted to get a job. You know, we we were fortunate enough to grow up with a family. Our father immigrated here from Egypt when he was young. He did the three job to put himself through college. He went bankrupt. He went to rehab. He reinvented himself built this incredible business and really prioritized supporting me and my sister through a beautiful supportive life and when i was 14 i said i want control of this ship and i want to make my own money and they wouldn't let me work because then they would have to drive me to the job and they didn't (laughs) want to drive me to the job because they were already driving me to school so i had to wait but there's something in me that has always been very comfortable around saying i love money i mean I'll have a glass of wine and say it a little too loud at a restaurant and my husband gets a little uncomfortable but there's something
2: Hey husband.
1: I know. <laughs> and I was with a group of women who I love dearly and they were calling you know they were labeling people with money fancy or this or that and um in my opinion more of a negative judgment around those who have more than maybe they do and I said you know, I think the judgment that people who have money are greedy or fancy or out of touch or whatever it is actually limits all of us from rising and from expanding into greater opportunity. What do we do with this narrative that yeah. if you have money, you're a bad person or that you're greedy or that you're evil? This, this idea that having money brings out the worst in people or whatever it is, because I've always felt as if, especially as a woman, the more money I have, the more opportunity I can provide for the people around me, the more I can give back, the more freedom I have, the more economic power I have that I can exercise towards good. So how do we dispel this?
2: Or the more money you have, you can just feel better in your life. Yeah,
1: from a selfish standpoint. even giving it away,
2: (laughs) you can just feel better as yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that nothing bad happens when women have more money. Yes. I mean, that's just real, right? Nothing bad happens. And I don't know that I want to do anything with anyone else's narrative around Mm. money. I, I think I just wanna know what my narrative is mm. and embody that. Because if I, I take the oh, narrative I
1: just got permission oh, because yeah, I was I gonna le- say I, I left that how- dinner and I was like I left the dinner thinking, be all of me, be all of me, be all of me. That's not my narrative, and I don't have to feel bad that that's not my narrative. And it, it was, I was toying. Do mm-hmm. I group? Do I fit in here, or mm-hmm. do I stand strong in my truth around this? So. Well,
2: the highest human need is to belong, yeah. and so that's why it's very challenging. That's why racism still exists, by the mm-hmm. way, because it's very difficult for humans to speak up and speak out among their collective and go, I don't think that way anymore. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 uncomfortable around. Money. Money as well and um, I personally feel like who's to say what a lot of money is I think I have money for myself but standing next to mark Cuban I, I don't have mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: like I, I'm, I'm a pauper next to yeah. next to mark so that the disease or the dis ease of comparison will always rob us of our highest joy and what is our highest joy to be the highest authority for our own existence
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, would you have a question? Because I want to also talk about entrepreneurship oh. and business. Too. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: I was. So, I was just yeah. gonna ask about like shame, and mm-hmm. and I think it kind of goes into what we've been talking about so far. But like something that I experience when I'm you know budgeting every week and going through my expenses, like there's just this like intense shame, and I'm like tr- I'm trying so hard to shift it and be like, there's no judgment. Like just like let's go through it. Let's f- let's figure out like what felt good to spend on what did it, and let's just kind of assess for next week, but something about it is still just like, it's this, emo- it's like so emotional, and I don't know if it's tied to family or what it is, but I just think that I, ke- I keep getting in this loop of like, oh, I'm the bad one at money, so like, I don't deserve to f- not feel shame when I'm looking at it. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it sounds like uh, I hear a vibration of romance. So it sounds like you have uh, this is a story I make up, but it sounds like there's a romantic or a romanticized notion around money that is not coming into fruition for you. And so if 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 we keep dreaming for something that hasn't actualized, then when we're in the actuality, we are continually disappointed. And, um, and so I would say to anyone, it is very common, myself included, I will romanticize money quickly. And I'll be like, we can do this and do this. And my honey will be like, baby, like, let's just have a thought about the next logical step. Yeah, <laughs> and that helps ground me because I am in Human Design a manifesting generator. We can not only manifest for ourselves; we can manifest for others. So I'm like, if you ain't on this manifestation train, I got you, boo. Like I'm doing this, and before I know it, you know, I'm shaking and trembling, and I'm out of alignment, and I'm frustrated, and I'm overwhelmed. So. Here's what I would say to anyone that's listening that says, wait, what did she say? A romanticized notion around money. Whenever we begin to dream about money, like by the time we're three, our money story is pretty solid. By the time we're seven, it's anchored. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. It's anchored. Yeah. So I would say that your inner child is still feeling unheard around some things. And your adult self is trying to bring in logic, but your inner child is like, no, there's a little bit of an agitation and war there. And not that that's anything big. I think that we do not study often that we all have sub-personalities. Any age you existed is a sub-personality within yourself. So somewhere, probably before nine, something disappointed you deeply around money. And that wound, this is a story I make up, but that wound is probably still active and navigating you in some way. And so a sense of peace would um, be just to ask, what part of me is disappointed every time I sit with money?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Uh,
0: and I, I can think of, i can I know exactly the...
1: It's so crazy that we obviously grew up in the same house and we have wildly different money stories. We have wildly different emotional landscapes. We have... It's just... It's just proof that like everyone sees the world so differently and interprets different circumstances differently. You know, I'm going back to the fact that Mads got the pink Juicy Couture sweatsuit. I literally was thinking that. That I never I was like, got. I, I was like, my mom wouldn't buy it for me. And I'm older than her. I'm older than her. And all I my didn't... friends were wearing them. And then all of a sudden, Maddie strolls into the house with the sweatsuit <laughs> I wanted for three years. Just all, all over her booty. All, all over.
0: over. <laughs> all over. And yeah. that's
1: when the resentment started that Mads gets everything and I don't get anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. so... You are obviously an incredibly successful businesswoman, entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. Mads is an entrepreneur. She has her own uh, app. It's a tech app that does travel recommendations. It's amazing. And I found that entrepreneurship was the vehicle for me to really, really work on my money mindset, really understand manifestation, really understand us uh, having faith and trust and not going into fear so much and really understanding all that. And after three years in business, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of how it works for me and how I can be in relationship with it you kind of crack it open even further with profit accelerator and fast money-making and all of this stuff. Can you speak to the entrepreneurs? Because we have so many sisters in this group that just want to start their own thing or are in the middle of their thing. And money is kind of that first, it's the first thing when you have a business that's kind of it gets a little scary. So how can we as entrepreneurs accelerate our profit?
2: Oh my gosh. Um, you know, let me think about that. Um, I think back to when I began, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> I remember just trying to make $5,000 a month, and I say just as though that's easeful. I mean, I, I, was, I was attempting my first $5,000 month, and I remember I was charging uh, like $45 an hour to work with me as a coach, so that was a long road to 45 <laughs> to $5,000, right. yeah. it was a long road. And um, I remember someone said to me, what could you do about your price? And I thought, I don't know how to make my price bigger because I don't know how to do bigger priced activities. And that was where the breakdown was because it's not in the activity, it's in the result.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: the result that sets the price. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. That's why I hate hourly rates. I hate
1: hourly rates.
2: Yes, it's the result that sets the price. And someone said to me, wait a minute, didn't you say that your client got a promotion? What was their increase? And so they started having different conversations with me. And that someone led to another conversation with a someone and a someone. So I've learned that entrepreneurship your acceleration is based on your community, who's around you, because those humans asking me those questions made a difference. When I signed uh, my first deal that got us to our first half a million, 480,000, it was selling a, sev- a uh, What? Well, how much was that? 70, was it 7,500? It was a $7,500 lunch and learn and my friend told me that I could use her sales team. Well, when I went to use her sales team, I said, okay, we'll split it 50-50. But someone in my community said, "Uh, no, you're not. And I said, what, that makes sense to give them 50%? No, not not if it's gonna win. You're not going to want to give 50% of your profits. Mm. And not only that, I gave 50% off of top, not off of net, Mm. which made no sense because I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, from there, we renegotiated to 18%. And that is what helped me put more in my pocket. So I think you've got to ask yourself, who's my community around me? You've got to ask yourself, what is it that I present as a result? And am I priced accurately? Uh, for that result. And then finally, am I creating money goals that matter or that impress? Mm. That's a, that's a big distinction because money that matters for most humans never even touches the million dollar mark. Doesn't need to. Because most humans don't even need that, even to live opulently. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I remember feeling like the richest person on the planet, and I hadn't even made three hundred thousand dollars in a year in my personal income. So that's what I say about that.
1: Oh my God, matter versus impress. That's that's. I know you and I because I feel like in the content creation game, you and I can go on. Just there's a lot of impressing, I think, versus matter in business today. And matter is subjective and that can be confusing for a lot of people. But when you are thinking about your new offerings or how you're presenting something, does it matter or are you impressing?
2: And that's why to this day, I no longer talk about my own personal, uh, like the finances of the business. Um, my personal income and my personal net worth. I do not discuss it. I used to. Mm. But I recognized that I was all, like, let's say I did interviews in 2018. Well, then I wanted the numbers to be so wildly bigger. Uh, You know, a year or two years. And then it was like
0: impressing. Oh,
2: it was exhaustive. And I just said, I can't do that to myself because it was taking me out of alignment because now I was doing things for the money instead of for the joy and instead of for the... uh, Uh, the effectiveness of what it would bring to the world. And that's why we now only talk about the money that our clients make Mm. and, um, and that they make as a whole. So I don't even isolate out when a client hits a a significant number. I just do it as a whole for the year. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's more, it's more gentle. And I still use it for impression, uh, because I'm still leading a business and people are still hiring me and choosing me based on my results. Mm -hmm. you know and based on the results of those that
1: I work with so okay before we ask our last question that we ask every woman that comes on Oasis wait a minute are we almost done oh we can I mean we can keep going yeah how long have we been been going that long it's been been 35 minutes yeah we have two more questions but they're good they're good
2: you all are a great duo I mean the (laughs) the vibration,
1: the honesty.
2: It's really yummy. Thank we, I mean, you. I
1: think that this podcast has been a large catalyst for me and Mads to mm-hmm. talk about our relationship and how different we are and how we can support one another. It's been a really beautiful expression of our differences and how we come together because yeah. we're very, very different in many ways and yet really alike. But having conversations like this, I think, has – it's almost – you know, having intimate conversations with people that are close to you can feel scary when they are – designated it in a sense of like, we need to talk and meet up, etc. But doing stuff like this with Mads just allows us to go deep in a way that's not scary or threatening, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. It does
2: make sense. I want to highlight one thing though, that you all said, um, about, um, your dad coming over from Egypt Mm. and, you know, We've got to also think about the journey of our parents in regard to the relationship that we have with money.
1: I am so happy you said that because I think, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, that Mads has never recognized or associated our lives with the fact that our dad is an immigrant and came here with nothing and worked his ass off for what we have because he just showed what he had he actually never really taught us about that where i've been coming into my identity as a first generation american i'm very proud of what my father has built and i think that is deeply rooted in your subconscious about your money narrative because you know my dad said the other day at yom kippur uh, last year at yom kippur he said that he actually worries a lot still today and I never knew that about him—that he worried because he's someone who has done well for himself, and he is someone who lives his life like he's got a boat. He's buying sashimi for all. He's inviting everybody. Nice tequila, I mean, nice got te- Don he Julio. likes He likes the finer things, and he's shown us what he's built. He's not
2: doing like me. Like the first time I bought a wagyu steak and. Uh, they brought the bill, and I didn't realize that they charged the amount that I saw on the menu by the ounce.
1: Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. No, he'd probably have a freak out at that, too, if he saw something different. But yeah. it's like I, – I, talk about that with your parents, because I yep. do think it really affects everyone, and maybe we're, we have it buried in our subconscious about it.
2: Well, I think that the biggest thing is that they – took themselves from nothing to something Mm -hmm. and they did it seemingly on their own. And so then when we're the generation behind them, we think we have to do it on our own. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: so we don't even realize that we have an aversion to help.
1: This is so crazy because all, everything you're saying about my money stuff is showing up in my relationship. Like I'm just mastering my ability to receive money and but in my personal life I'm not there yet it's hard for me to receive I was just crying to Maddie about this this morning yeah it's hard for me to receive and I have to feel like I have to do it all and it's very like the stories and the healing that comes from our money mindset are the things that we're struggling with in our personal life yeah. too
0: it's 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 yeah why would it be different the way we look at money than we do relationships or like other yeah. other exchanges in our life? So it it makes sense that it would come up in other places.
1: Yeah, it's just wild to kind of see the parallels. That's why
2: those of us that teach money, we say money is energy. And humans don't get it until they have a moment like this where they go, oh, that's Mm -hmm. what that means. And um, if we have an aversion to help or even it could not be even be in the parental lane it could be in the lane of school like let's Mm -hmm. say in school we didn't fit in and in school uh, we got shamed for asking questions for being the one that raised our hand that sought clarity Mm -hmm. then we can find ourselves shaming ourselves internally when we don't have the clarity when we don't have the answer Mm -hmm. and we don't give ourselves permission to seek it Mm -hmm. Uh, because we're shutting ourselves down going, don't be that kid that raises, listen, ain't no recess if you do that. Mm -hmm. And so then we're chasing, you know, we're chasing nothingness at that time because we don't have the answers. We won't raise our hands to get it. We're shaming ourselves for not having the result for the answer we never got.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Or that sticks with us forever. Yeah. 100%. How are you so unapologetic with money?
0: Yeah, I, I that is something I was just gonna say. Like, to me, I still feel like I'm like money is something in front of me that I'm chasing, mm-hmm. that I'm like at an arm's length. And I know I was just
1: talking I'm at to a point you. where I'm like, I'm proud, I'm good, I'm stoked, yeah. I'm happy with what I have. But I'm happy with it, but I, I remember
0: being there two years ago, you know. But I we were even talking about this yesterday. I was like, I just and I've never like said this out loud. I was like, I just know in my soul, like, I had to take a very large like pay cut because I'm starting my own business and like, but I was like, I just know in my soul. Like one day I'm just going to have as much money as I, in my mind is am thinking of. Like, I just, I know it. Like it's this weird thing. Like I was talking to a financial advisor and she's like, Oh yeah. Like every year, you're, you'll increase 10% and I'm like, no, that's not going to be my story because <laughs> I literally like, I'm I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur, like I, am, I have my own business, but like, I just know that there's going to be some sort of like quick, like it's just going to come to me in a way and I don't know if it's like through an acquisition or whatever it's going to be, but I just, I, but in this moment, I'm just like, I feel like I'm chasing rather than it just being within me because because it's not within me yet. So there's this like disconnect of like this this whatever vision I have in my head. I just like I don't know wh- how to get there, but it's like I need to <laughs> I need to trust the intuition a little bit. <laughs> uh, you might like what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. You might not. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, once again, Romance is present. And now we're in the category of what I call the God lottery,
0: Mm.
2: when we're desiring the God lottery. And we desire the God lottery when somewhere, again, I make this up, um, when somewhere we asked God for something or some things, however we acknowledge God, and we didn't get the answer we wanted. Mm -hmm. And so a part of us wants payback for the suffering that we had, whether it was mental suffering, physical suffering, whatever. A part of us just wants payback. Mm -hmm. And that's why we find ourselves romanticizing a windfall coming in versus being present in the now. So some self-soothing that I would encourage you to do is to ask yourself, um, first of all, if you could do anything that you wanted to do today, Mm -hmm. just today anything that you wanted to do today and money were no object to do what you wanted to do just one day, mm-hmm. what would it be? And if you ask yourself that and play with that vision, you're going to find you're probably not going to want to do a private jet to Paris. Yeah,
1: yeah no. know.
2: You know, you you'll find that your desires really are simple mm-hmm. And you may be judging how simple they are because they're, again, not impressive when they're not simple. Mm -hmm. And we've got to play with that because um, the, the world of keeping up with the Joneses is really real. It's really seriously real. I was just buying an evening bag for an awards dinner next week and I was ready to go to like YSL and get just like a nice champagne bag that I thought would look really great. And then I thought, Hmm, why am I going to do that? When Amazon has this $29 bag for this champagne, I'm going to go one time and use this bag one time. And it's going to match these one time shoes (laughs) and this one time dress. But a part of me thought, oh, well, my assistant's going to be there taking pictures. The bag isn't going to have a label. The, the, like, I started going down a spiral, and I thought, well, that was fun. <laughs> now, what do you want to choose for yourself? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: I just want y'all to know, when y'all see those photos, my whole $29 Amazon <laughs> bag is going to be in my hand, and I'm going to be so happy. Yeah. But it's taken, it continues to take me courage. That was a 72 hour ago conversation. Mm. It continues to take me courage to be myself and to not need something that proves I'm the success I already know I am. Mm. And that's painful often, it's uncomfortable often. And I know my voice sounds melodic and like uh, I figured it out. But this is a daily effort. I work with my life coach, my soul coach, uh, the programs that I offer, I'm continually studying to stay as a perpetual beginner and student for myself. You know. And I recognize that I was living a hard life of constraint and sacrifice. Uh, and now I live a different hard life mm-hmm. of intentionality self-prioritization, expression, honesty, truth, first in the mirror. And that's the hardest place to have a conversation of truth for me and for most of us. That's why my friend Mel Robbins, you know, writes about get in that mirror and high five Mm -hmm. yourself. And I called her and told her, this is the dumbest shit you're telling people to do. (laughs) She did a video about it, because I told her this is dumb and annoying, because I realized when I went to high-five myself, my hand felt like lead. Mm. I could cheer for everyone else, but when I got ready to tell myself, good job, I would go, uh, eh, a little bit more. You know, I was 345 pounds. Today, I proudly weigh 206. I love my weight, and still I go, eh, what would it look like if we didn't see a two in front of that number? Like I'm continually Mm. not high-fiving, but editing. Yeah. And so if we can give ourselves permission to find that hybrid of uh, challenge and calling ourselves forward, while also acknowledging, Dan Sullivan talks about this in his new book, Gap and Gain, that majority of entrepreneurs specifically are always judging themselves by the gap from where they are to where they want to go yep. instead of by the gain from where
1: they started to where they are. Uh, yep, so that's <laughs> me.
0: <laughs>
1: I I really, I'm, I think I'm a little bit of an anomaly where I love the process so much. I celebrate myself constantly. It's like, it's kind of obnoxious at times cuz I celebrate every small little win. Everything in my life is exciting and beautiful. I do too, all the time. All the I'm time. always screaming. I'm al- yeah, I'm always grateful like I'll be standing in line to get coffee with my sister and I'm like, "We're so fucking blessed. We're we this is our this is our work. We're taking a break. We're going to coffee. We work together. Look at this office. Look at you. Look at me. You know, it's just always constantly for me and I think it's obviously because I I, I think emerged from a really severe mental illness and so I'm just so grateful that every day is so beautiful. Amen. But where, where do we, that hybrid, like for example, I love luxury. I do. I love luxury. I got a Tesla coming and I'm fucking stoked about it. But I didn't get the Tesla to take a photo of it on Instagram. It's probably not gonna be on Instagram. No one's gonna know I have a Tesla, really, except for the fact that I just told thousands of people. But <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Like, where? Because people, I think, associate these big purchases with you're trying to impress somebody. But where can we? Where can we come and say, no, I I love Prada. Like, I love a Prada bag. I haven't bought one yet, but I'm gonna buy one this year for the first time, and it's like <laughs> it's gonna be a huge life goal of mine. And so, Hell, yeah. you know, where do we find that hybrid? That moment where it's for us not excess not to impress but it's because we appreciate something that might cost a little bit more and err on the side of luxury well i
2: think you allow yourself both yeah Yeah. i think you allow yourself to go i want it i love it and it's going to impress the fuck out of people yeah i think you allow yourself both i think you have we have to know we are human and divinity And to be in this human realm, we are always going to be human, which means pride, ego, judgment, shame. The more we try to suffocate what we call shadow experiences within ourselves, we are suffocating the truth of ourselves. That's why I said be greedy. Like know that greed is required, and also know. Uh, went a little too far there. Like we all know when the pizza comes that you know at two slices we feel really good, but at three slices we're like, oh, and yep, we've all me. still <laughs> eaten the third one, right? Like every oh, fucking time. Why? Yeah. <laughs> and so just to be playful with yourself yeah. and go, of course I ate the third slice. And of course, I'm going to put on this Prada bag and walk and make sure everybody sees the label. I'm sorry. Did you see me turn this way? Did you want me to turn? Did you ask me or my Prada bag? Which one?
1: And to just know that is and that is okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love it. I just, everything.
1: This is is like just the best. Okay. This is our last question. We ask every single woman who comes on this podcast. If you were to brag about one thing and don't be humble, what would you brag about? I
2: would brag, um, mm, I can't believe my heart went here. Holy smokes. I met the love of my life a year ago, and I manifested this man, and he manifested me. And he's tall and bald and sexy and big and, you know, 6'5 and walks bow-legged and always smells good and (laughs) and he kisses my neck just right and he's kind and opens the door and makes me the best bacon egg and cheese sandwiches Mm. on the planet with the toast like just on the border of burnt like not to the burn but just like that proper crunchy scorch and in January his mother ascended we say ascended in my family instead of died And with that, left the man that I knew. Mm. He became someone different and is becoming someone different. Mm. And it has not been easeful to fall in love with a new human who's new all the time through the lens of grief every day, Mm. every day, every day. And I would like to brag about reaching within myself to find tenderness compassion patience Mm -hmm. understanding i would like to brag about being brave enough to journey back to my own memories when my mother ascended Mm -hmm. and to go into the depth of that that first year she was gone and to remember I can't remember hmm. and to tell myself, Allison, you may be forgotten by him for a little bit. Not that he doesn't love you, not that he doesn't care, not that uh, he's not all in, cause he is, but you might just have to be in the margin mm-hmm. for a little bit. And that's not easy. And I use that as an example. It came to me when you said, you said first thing, and I thought, I'm not going to say that. And then I <laughs> thought, well, you don't ever not say what comes forward for you. But I bring it forward because I believe that humans hear these playful conversations and they forget we're real people Yeah. with, with real life happening. And in this moment, it's the thing I'm bragging about, and it's also the thing I'm sad about. Yeah. And yeah. you get to have both. Both can exist. At the same time, I am very proud of myself, mm. and I'm also sad. Yeah. They both exist.
0: That says so much about you that something so sad and so filled— like. I just feel like other people would not even see this pride that you feel for yourself. I, it's, it just says so much about you that that is the first thing that came to mind where it was like, I am so proud that I am showing up for someone else, that I have been showing compassion and tenderness. I just don't think many people would go there and just says so much about you. I want to say one more thing. I know that was the last question.
1: When you were just going there, I re- realized that you actually changed my life because you taught me the difference between human and our soul. Mm-hmm. And I am a perfectionist in myself, morally in, in my personality and character. And so I demand perfection, I think, of other people. And when my human comes out, I feel shame that I made a mistake, I never want to make a mistake, I never want to hurt anybody. And so what you just so beautifully articulated was was that we are all human and there are human elements that come out and now in my relationship I'm able to say, oh, my human came out in that moment or oh, his human came out in that moment and it doesn't alter the soul, if that makes sense. And that has been a revolutionary game changer for my relationships. You know, thank you for saying that. When Derek and I came together,
2: we wrote tenets for our relationship. Mm -hmm. And we wrote them so that we would remember always, regardless of what circumstances we were living, Mm -hmm. we would be able to return to those tenets and say, this is what that human feels about me Mm -hmm. at their core. Yeah. And that's what supports me in this time and uh, supports him in this time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love being honest. I love being honest. I make a lot of money. I co-create a lot of money with a lot of uh, wonderful humans. I lead a big, generous uh, life. The universe is good to me, and I am good back to the oneness. And that does not obliterate me from the uh, depths and sometimes bowels of what happens in life, right? Yeah. It, ju- it just occurs. And so i I realized that I was using manifestation as a checklist. Mm. Oh. Lost the weight. Oh, started making, launched the business. Oh, now we make money. Oh, now we have profit. Mm. Oh, now, you know, now um, what were some of the things I wanted? Of course, I wanted bags. I wanted to live Mm. at the water. You know, I live in Del Mar, wake up to the ocean every day. And I, oh, check this, check that. And I just recognized that I no longer wanted to live as a checklist. Mm. I want to really live. And that's a very tender, sweet existence for me that I'm still learning because I still find myself in that checklist. um, And I continue to rewire my relationship with myself and my relationship with my achievement, my fulfillment and my overall provision. It's a journey.
0: Oh, you are you're like an angel, like just (laughs) oh, my God, my heart is just so full listening to you.
1: I know this is a weird transition, but um, where can everybody find you? (laughs) Why
0: don't you plug yourself? Plug yourself, plug plug it all, impress. I love it. it.
2: Um, You know, I'm always on the gram. I love the gram, but Instagram is so funky now, but I'm always on the gram. So you just have to know how to spell my name, Mm A-L-L-Y-S-O-N. So I'm always on the gram. And then we update everything that we're doing at guidedbyallison.com.
0: Amazing. Beautiful. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah,
1: Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so Thank you. much. And everyone, you can find us at OKCIS Podcast on Instagram. We yep. love you. you.